Welcome to the Weekly Offload, a podcast that discusses serious rugby league topics with a dash of dark humour. Welcome to the Weekly Offload. In this episode, we will discuss what is wrong with International Rugby League. We have our Gardeners Global Game where we will review and preview the international matches and then our question from our millions and millions of fans. So we've doubled up. We've got Darko Davidovich. Hello. He's back again. Hello. And then um, we have Achilles Byrne. G'day. And then I'm your host, Matthew McCormick. So... Uh, I might start with you, Darko, just because you had a good idea last time we were sort of chatting about it um, in terms of the international game. So what was your idea and did you want to discuss that with us today in terms of the um, really. competition? Yeah, I'll keep it a secret. <laughs> <laughs> Sell it to the NRL or the uh, uh, International Rugby League. Yeah, look, we, we've spoken for a long time about um, what could be done to improve the international game, um, to make it a bit more consistent and to make it fit inside the, the regular calendar, um, but also keep people interested. Because to be honest, this off-season with these international games, it feels last minute and I'm not interested. What are they even playing for? I don't know. There's no. Tr- is there a trophy? Like I honestly don't know. Yeah, it's a Pacific Championship, <laughs> but I get what you mean. Yeah. Really, when you think about it, we chatted about it la- uh, last week off the podcast. Like it's three teams, and you yeah. got a final. And then I said, I even said, I was like, if Samoa lose the next game, they're not in the final. So Australia and New Zealand play next week for what? Essentially, well, well, it's this week. This week, this week, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a pointless yeah. game. They'll give a few guys a run. Yeah, to make maybe some guys make their debuts. It's not pointless for them. But as a fan, like, how much do you care? You're playing each other next week for a, a trophy, so to speak. Anyway, so my idea is have a four year calendar. So let's say this year is the World Cup year. You have the World Cup, and we can talk about that another time in terms of how many teams should mm. be in the World Cup. But this year you have the World Cup. The year after the World Cup, you have something that I've modelled on the uh, the Nations League that they have in soccer in, in a few continents or a couple of continents. In Europe is the one obviously I follow, so specifically in Europe, where you have different divisions based on the quality of the team and the ranking of the team. And if you're, let's say, Division A, right, and you come, it's a, it's a group of four, and you come last in that group you get relegated to Division B and whoever came first in Division B goes up to Division A. So you'd have the World Cup one year. The following year, you'd have the Nations League. The year after that, I would do uh, an Ashes tour. Now, other countries will have to figure out, you know, what kind of tours they're going to be doing or, or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to be doing there. Um, and then the year after the Ashes tour, I have the next Nations League where the promotion relegation has happened. And then the year after, that's the World Cup again. And have that every year. There's going to be known international games. You know who's playing who, where, where they're playing, when they're playing. Um, the, the part about the Nations League thing, um, I think that would help teams play other teams that are on their level. And if you're good enough to be the best out of those teams, you get an opportunity to play teams from a higher level and test yourself. Aside, you know, apart from that, well, you're going to play him every four years at a World Cup or something, you know what I mean? Mm. And if you're, you know, I don't know, if you're the 10th ranked team, you're in Group C, okay? Yeah, Group A is quite a while away, but you can walk, work towards it. Maybe you get, really, uh, you get promoted to Group B. You stay there for three or four different competitions and you develop. You de- develop and you get better and better and then eventually you might get to Division A. Maybe you won't, but at least it's it's a clear goal um, or, or clear system where you can get to the very top. Would you um you know how the NRL um, showcase the finals like you know with the sort of like the uh, reserve grade cup and would you do like uh, on grand final day? Would you do like uh, C grade grand final, B grade grand final, and then the A? Would you make that all in? So you can showcase the teams? The international games. The international games. No, no, I I wouldn't. 
I wouldn't. I, I'd, I'd keep it. And I'd have, for example, uh, okay, so the World Cup year, then the First Nations League. You'd have it in the Pacific area, so Australia, New Zealand, Papua New Guinea, etc. Okay, so every division will play will play there, and then the next time you have it, you play in the Northern Hemisphere. Now, from that side of things, you maybe from a financial perspective, it might need to be worked out and some support given. That could be worked out later. But I think you move have one down here, one up there, one down here, one up there. And just keep it keep it going like that. I think it's good. I mm-hmm. think it's a good idea. I think like we were just discussing, as I said uh, last week, that rugby leagues could be so simple in terms of a calendar. There's le- there's less team like football. They manage to do it with so many teams, so many things going on, clubs, transfers, uh, you know, clubs letting them off. And mm-hmm. I know football, it's hard. The World Cup's like bigger than the Olympics, so it's massive. But I just think in terms of uh, rugby league, it's just so easy to do a four-year calendar. Why couldn't they do, like, as you said, ash- if the Ashes was once every four years, would it not make it prestigious to 100%. play in? If the World Cup was every four years, they could just do it like that. Well, it's- think about the the guys back in the day that they, they played in Ashes tours and what it meant to them and what an mm. experience it was for them. There's not one player that's ever said, oh, yeah, that was pointless. Why did I do that? Would you it's be worried an incredible about experience? Would you be worried about play fatigue then? Well, we've off the podcast we've spoken about it a little bit. You know, why does the NRL season have to be 26, 27 rounds mm-hmm. when you include an um, Origin footy and and then rep footy, right? Why not make it 20 to 22 rounds? Like I don't think that's a big deal. That's a, a 3 or 4 weeks shorter season. But most of those elite players are going to be playing an extra three or four games mm. at the end of the season anyway with uh, one finals and then the international games. So what's But it's funny because their comment, I'm not disagreeing with you, I'm saying their comment back to that would be, oh, it doesn't make money. But the reason why it doesn't make money is you don't promote it. It's not taken you seriously. Invest in it. Yeah. And it'll make yeah. you money. Like why is no one interested in this this these finals oh these uh international games i literally didn't know they were until right at the end of the season mm. it's, it was scheduled like, so late what? and then as i was saying the fact that they put three teams in one group and three teams in another it's as i said if samoa lost their first two games which has ended up happening they're gone so yeah. you're ha- you're playing a final but then you're playing this week's game as you said for the players that play great honor to play for australia or new zealand but for a general fan why would i tune in to watch if i didn't love rugby league they'd be like oh so what does this imagine you're explaining it to someone what does this game actually mean and you're like oh well they're kind of already in the final next week so and then and then png comes on playing cook islands and then you you have to explain again. You're like this doesn't matter for the for it's, the big yeah. A teams. It's so like it's watching you know towards the end of the season where you know let's say use this season example Tigers. If it was Tigers versus Bulldogs in round twenty four, how much do you care if you're not supporting uh, one of those teams? Mm. You, you you don't like it, it's. You might watch it. You might have it in the background, but really, they uh, means nothing that if, game. If 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 there's no like if. If they're not going to make the finals, or you know, if it's not a clutch game, you don't really, you know, pay attention if it's not your team. Exactly, and we're getting that in this this three team uh, comp. <laughs> I don't, do I don't think, know what to call it. Do you it. think they're going? It's like a, a teething phase at the moment. They're just trialing and testing things out. It, I don't know. Mm. I, I don't know because because ha- have they ever? Let's say since I followed rugby league, uh, mid to late nineties. I don't remember the NRL or the rugby league. No, it's not the NRL specifically. It's the it's rugby league, international rugby league. I, have they ever, uh, do you believe, got it right with the calendar or had a long-term calendar where mm. you knew in, in four years what, who's, like, what competition's on? You could plan, you can plan, you know, if it was an Ashes tour and, you know, as rugby league fans and, you know, you both got English connections, right, with mm. your partners, you go, oh, Ashes tour in three years. Lock it in. We'll yeah. go on a holiday. We'll visit family, and we'll go watch a couple of games. Mm. You can't do that now. Yeah, I, I kind of like the um. Yeah, there definitely needs to be more international games. Like you watch these games on the weekend. That you know, 
even though it, it seems a little bit rushed, but it's beautiful to see, you know, uh, the Cook Island people, you know, all the fans rock up. Um, you know, those small stadiums packed. We well, saw the Samoa New Zealand, how it, it was a whitewash, but like how the fans got into it, it was Mate, phenomenal. Even the players' faces, they were all crying, yeah. people in the crowd crying. Yeah. It means so much to them. And yeah. if we get a couple of, like, you know, something to play for or, you know, more international games over there, it's just going to grow the game. Well, the more the better, I'd say. And then England, if you watch uh, England, Tonga, there's actually on Fox Sports at the moment, there's like older games on. Mm. And it's quite funny because if you go back to, say, 2003, even though we're ahead of England, obviously, in rugby league, Matt Gardner must agree with that. <laughs> and as I said last week, he's bigger than me, but he's not here. So um, I can say whatever I like, Matt. Um, but, yeah, if you watch even their t- Ashes series in, like, 2003 and things like that, you would find that actually they had seemed to have more passion than when it's played here. Um, and they're behind us. I know there's the old, oh, beat Australia sort of mentality that does keep them passionate but i just think the way they even they embrace the internationals was better than here i don't think Definitely. we've ever done it that well Definitely. honestly since i've i've followed it um a couple years less than darko but i don't think i've ever thought oh they've really promoted this game apart from when tonga made that run and oh, all the, the, semi, the but, yeah. but that was like Achilles yeah. was just saying that was kind of their fan base saying oh hey we're here you must do something like yeah. Yeah. and even these internationals were forced by the Tongan fans yeah. pretty much because they were like why is Tonga not playing and then England came aboard and said oh we want to play someone in a three test series and to my understanding Australia and New Zealand weren't that keen on going so I, that's I what's legitimately happened. didn't know that was on yeah. until the weekend, like last weekend when they played their game, the first game. I was wondering, why isn't Tonga in one of these groups of three? Mm. And where's so England? And then obviously they're playing each other, but I don't know. Well, if you look outside um, rugby league and look at a different code like uh, rugby union, I think they got it right with their six nations over in Europe. Uh, that's amazing. Uh, and even that, like, mm. yeah, let's say not, you don't have to necessarily do it, the four nations thing that I, yeah. uh, the, um, the nations league thing that I suggested. Why not a, a five yeah. or six a fix uh, five or six <laughs> uh, nations competition? Like, Absolutely. What, what what's stopping that? I've got a, a different idea. It's a, I got a little one that's a little bit out there. <laughs> I was like, I might as well just say it, throw it out there. So, so in, in the 2000, right, they used to have this idea and I thought that everyone who said it was a complete moron, but I'm going <laughs> to say it now. So I'm bringing it back, but not for the 13-man game, for nine, uh, the World Cup, the nines, the okay? Uh-huh. So I think the best way to get teams... It's happened in um, obviously rugby union teams uh, to get more support, get uh, sort of a profile in international rugby league and bring them in a little bit in an easier way is the the nines, get them in the nines. So I would have a World Cup every – I would have a nines World Cup in that four-year formula. So I'd probably go – uh, as you said, Ashes. So Australia goes over there, then Pacific Nations stay here and do a, a real tournament, not like a three-side one. Then you have the, uh, let's say, World Cup. You can t- change these around yeah, if they yeah, don't yeah. work. Uh, let's say the World Cup. Then you could have um, another tournament, as you said, where it's a – or even have bring back the Four Nations but have the re- uh, the qualifying system. Yeah. So a team drops out, someone comes in the yeah. Four Nations, mm-hmm. then that, that's every four years. So it's like, oh, the Four Nations on. Then my idea is to do the – Nines World Cup, but this is the one that you might find funny. So in the year 2000 when Australia dominated, many people suggested to split them into, which I think is ridiculous, Uh, New South Wales and Queensland, right? I thought that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You're going to have New South Wales, for example, winning the World Cup. The only reason why I would do this for the Nines World Cup is they, they had a Nines World Cup in Parramatta. Basically, Australia blitzed most of the games. They won everything. With the nines, let's be honest, It's you can do whatever you like. Rugby league had a sevens mm. where they used to have clubs playing. They had mm. Parramatta Eels playing France. So my idea would be to split New South Wales and Queensland into a team individually, then play these lesser nations to give, say, Fiji a chance against a New South Wales and give... But I'm also understanding that if... 
New South Wales wins, for example, and it ends, and it's in the headlines. It's like, oh, New South Wales win the World Cup. That, that's my concern with that I understand. idea. Like, it, I think from a not in, in a like you look at sevens in rugby, like Fiji is the dominant team. Like, so I think these you know so called minnows or lesser nations, they are more even in a nines format. Like, that's just a, an opinion. I'd mm. like to see it happen. To hopefully prove that true, um, I think I think like if you do do, do a nines, I think you're going to see like nations like Fiji, Cook Islands, you know, um, they're going to shine, you know, because they're like running the ball, a bit more space. It'd be like it'd be flaring, yeah. Just like the sevens, you know, like uh, Fiji when they first done the sevens in the rugby, they struggled a bit, but now they're like they they won the World Cup a few times. So like, you know, if you stay patient with it, I think you're going to see those flashy teams, you know, like. Yeah, the Fiji's, the Samoa, yeah, the yeah. Tongans throw the ball around. It'd be fantastic. Well, that's them taking their advantage with yeah. the flair that they have. So. Exactly. I agree. But can I ask you, the last World Cup, do you, the Nines, do you remember anything about it? When was it? That's yeah. case in point. Do yeah. you, Achilles, but remember it, much about it? But if you – yeah, no, I don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> but, but now if you promote it and you did it every couple of years, it would be, it'd be fantastic. No, I'm not saying that it's not to promote it. What I'm saying is the reason why you don't remember it is because Australia won every pool match and it wasn't exciting because mm. you had Adokar. You basically had the Australian side. As I said, I, I understand what you're saying, Duck. I don't completely disagree. But I'm just thinking what way can we make, let's say, Fiji – a dominant side in the nines and it probably is if you're realistic australia is going to win that nines world cup probably for the next 10 years like at least so yeah, I, yes, I, I i agree to build them up but i just think that's my only thought pattern with but that i know it's a bit you, out there it's a bit out there no i like you, it i like you, it do you look at the long-term approach and and i don't know find other ways to close the gap but realizing that okay Australia's probably going to win the next four or five mm. tournaments over 20 years possibly or maybe not. If it's every four years, maybe they'll win the next two or three but work towards closing that gap during that period of time. Like, you know what I mean? Like New Zealand dominates in rugby but you can't mm. just stop playing rugby. Point, <laughs> the point taken. My, my thing, yeah, the only reason why I even suggest it is because um, I just think – the general fan, if Australia keeps winning and winning, they're going to say, why is the Nines World Cup? And that's what happens with rugby league. Once a rugby league fan starts saying, why is this on, they cancel it. They get rid of it. And it's not when I know we all agree that they need to persist with things and say, yeah. this is here to stay. This is the plan. Um, this, this is just, the, you know, as I said, I know it's a bit out there. That's just a suggestion in terms of getting, say, Fiji, uh, Samoa playing in the finals because I'd give them a better chance if you split Australia's talent too. The thing is like, sorry to interrupt, yeah, yeah. but like if they come out and say this is the plan, this is the vision for the next mm. 10 years of International Rugby League, give us time and let's see how this goes. Everyone's going to go, all right, like we're going to complain and then criticise things, mm. but we'll, we'll give it that time because we know what the plan is mm. and what we're hoping to achieve from it. But mm. we, we don't get that. Yeah, mm. and I think too, like, I think it's so much easier to market as well. Like, you know, if you've got your, like, marquee players, like, say, like your Munster and stuff, um, it's just easy, like, you know, the younger guys that are coming through to represent Australia, you can take them, like, to USA because it's a faster game. It looks better. It's more f flashy, you know. So you can sort of protect, like, your Munsters, you know, your, your well, Cameron Smith when you're playing, you know, um, you can protect them more and like you know run them on for two minutes and then just let the young guys run around and sort of market it around the world. I agree. Yeah, good points, boy. I agree with what you're saying, Darker. At least if I'm okay with them, at least coming out and saying this is what mm. even four years would be good. Like eight mm. years would be yeah, perfect, yeah. but let's say even four years, I'm saying this is a schedule, mm. and it's we, more than we've ever had. So. I know it's sort of like <laughs> it's sort of like you have. To, as you said, these Pacific nations was very last minute. So. Yeah. I enjoyed it though. Like, again, for me, rugby league is, is, is bigger than the game. Like, it's, it's, it's nothing without its fans again. Um, and just seeing the people turn up at the Cook Islands, you know, in Fiji, 
even in New Zealand, just watching those guys play for the nations and just screaming for the crowd was just it's just beautiful to watch. Yeah, I agree. And then, boys, in terms of, I guess, let's talk about Europe, for example, Darko. How do you think they could improve the game? Well, over there? I, I think <laughs> that's especially where um, the that Nations League idea can help these countries develop. Um, there's a lot of surprising countries that are starting to get into rugby league or have been over the last 10 or 20 years. Serbia being one of them, Greece, you know, Lebanon, obviously with the influence from the Australian race players, um, Spain, there's, there's pretty much any country in Europe almost plays rugby league now. If you have that sort of Nations League and they have their competitions at their level and then win the opportunity to play at a higher level, I think over time um, that will help them bridge the gap. And, I mean, that's a, a long, long-term project. That's not a five- to ten-year project. You know, we haven't spoken about it on the show too much, but the the World Cup going down to, is it ten teams or twelve teams now? I think it's ten, right? Ten, ten. yeah, back to I ten. I think <clears throat> this is going to be majorly detrimental to the minnow, minnow countries they with 10 teams they're never going to make it literally they're never mm. going to make it they're never going to have you know this close like serbia for example they were i think one one game or one kind of qualifying phase away from making the last world cup that's incredible there's no way they're going to be in the top 10 for 20 30 years and that will only ever change if we get another 10 15 20 serbian play, uh, players of serbian descent playing in the nrl or the super league like I think for the long-term health of the International Rugby League, it's a mistake. And we've seen in uh, the Rugby Union World Cup, for example, and I think, you know, whatever criticism you can have of the rug- of rugby as a sport or the way they do things, they have a very good World Cup. Mm-hmm. And, yes, every group has one or two, you know, minnows. And, yes, they get smashed occasionally depending on who they play. If they play All Blacks, they'll get pumped by 80 or 90 but they're getting better. They mm-hmm. get better every time they qualify. They close the gap by a millimeter. Mm-hmm. And eventually, we look at Argentina, yeah. who, you know, early days, they get whooped by everyone. Now they're making semis. Yeah. They make it, well, they haven't made the final, but they make semis, quarterfinals regularly. Japan, okay, they were at home last World Cup, but they, they made the, the quarterfinals. You got to give them a chance to play and learn. Mm. And even just for the experience, like, you know, maybe I, I play for Serbia and, you know, I get to, we get to the World Cup, I, we lose by 120 against Australia. Close game. A close game <laughs> <laughs> at halftime. Um, Is that with Turbo playing but, as well? No. <laughs> <laughs> he went uh, up injured after 15 minutes. <laughs> but I'm going to go back and tell the local kids or tell my kids, hey, I play, look who I played against. I played against, you know, Thurston or I played against whoever. And that's going to inspire them to play. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. I agree with you, Ducker. I think with the going down to 10 teams, we spoke, we've spoken about off the podcast. So I was a bit worried when they went to 16 originally. I thought there's going to be some big scoreline, especially with the six again rule, which did happen. But I thought once you've done, like we did the 16, there are a couple thrashings, stick to it. Yeah. 16 is now the number that you're going to do. And then... As you said, then they announced it's gone back to 10. I was like, so what happens to those six teams that qualified? Then they go back to playing minnows. As you said, why couldn't rugby league just say, listen, guy, they could come out and literally say this. We know there's going to be some big scorelines, but this is for the future of the game. And actually in the year 2000, there's 16 teams. And then for the next World Cup, it's 10. So that's yeah. going to be, you know, 27 years ago and it's the same and it's back down to 10. And so what happened to those nations that they were investing in? Well, think, about, think about how many players will, you know, commit to playing the sport because there's the, the goal of making the World Cup from these countries. They're, most of them, I dare say, are part-time players or amateur players. Okay, there's no more World Cup for them. No chance. Oh, well, what's the point? I'll go be a police officer or whatever. I'm not going to smash my body up every week mm. with no mm. no significant goal in mind like we're gonna lose we're gonna lose players we're gonna lose countries 
mm. from participation and I, I don't think that's good like we're limiting the game and can i yeah. ask you boys if the philippines played serbia <laughs> How angry would you get at each other? Mate, we've got Payne Haas as a front rower. He's choosing Philippines yeah, over Australia. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> In this hypothetical <laughs> world, all the players that are Filipinos will play yeah. for those countries. It'll have to be yeah. a big, big payday. Mate, we just got to get him some chicken adobo, you know. <laughs> you know some what? If you on. were doing the cooking, I think he might turn. Yeah. <laughs> I am a good cook, he Jermaine. Might, yeah, he might turn over. But, um, yeah, I think it's a good point. I, I, yeah, the England – actually watching England Tonga over the weekend, I know I mentioned it before, but seeing them, that it felt like a test match. Mm. And it's because it, English commentators make me laugh. Um, <laughs> I said to Polly, we saw it from the year 2003 and it was an Ashes series and I'm very bad at this English accent, not as bad as Achilles, <laughs> but I'm going to try to do one. So this was two th in 2003 we had so many injuries that year, like a, a massive amount of injuries. We go to, this is going to test, uh, Chris calls me the rain man of rugby yeah. league. This is going to test my my knowledge i'm pretty sure we played auckland uh we played in auckland against new zealand and we lose 32 to 14 we might have to fact that check so we lose 32 to 14 then we have the ashes series and i can remember the the media over in england was saying this is it this is our time <laughs> they've got no you know andrew johns whoever it was i think kamali was the fourth string um halfback wow. kind of thing so he's gone over there you had um you still had, mate, it's still a great side. It still mm. probably would beat Australia today. Yeah. You had like Luke Rickardson. <laughs> wow. um, you had lot. You still had Lockyer, Luke Rickardson. Fitler was still playing. Wow. Kamali, like it's still a fantastic side. Robbie Kearns was in the front row. I know because he got his head taken off That's by Morley. <laughs> yeah, it was literally in the first, um, so the first Good four tackle. seconds. Jeez. He got head hide and Morley got what, sent off. What year was this? 2003. Oh, I okay, told yeah. you I have a very good memory for yeah. this. And so they had thought they had a massive chance to win it. And then every test match they led, I was telling uh, my partner Polly, because she's English, they led in the last five minutes and every game Australia would win. <laughs> and the commentators would just be like this, I apologise for this on this podcast. <laughs> Kimoli, oh no. <laughs> They've done it again. <laughs> so every oh. test match was kind of like that. So I think... If my memory is correct, Craig Wing scores the winner in the first test match. Did Luke Rickardson get one? Uh, Luke Rickardson does get a try in the in I'm pretty wow. sure in the Ashes, yeah. um, and Australia win in the last. But I, honestly, I know we're making a bit of we're making fun of um, English commentators, but I love the way they approach the oh, international game, and yeah. I feel like they do take it more seriously. I know it's mm. the more the carrot there because they will really want to beat mm. Australia. Like I, I think they. It's like how we look at NBA players when I was in England. They do sort of immortalise the mm, Australian players. Yeah. And I think Matt, Matt Gardner was saying once that that can actually be a problem um, mm. just because if you put someone so high on a pedestal, it's like what you do uh, with me and FIFA Achilles. <laughs> you just put me so high on that pedestal that yeah. I think you get a bit nervous. Yeah, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, but on a serious note, yeah, you can put someone so high on a pedestal. Mel, It happened with Melbourne Storm. Teams mm. would be able to beat them and then in just in the last five minutes they'd crumble, crumble. because they thought, oh, Mel, they're coming to get us. And I think that happens with England. But he was saying you need to just treat it like two arms, two legs type type situation mm -hmm. and play your best. The closest they got was when Wayne Bennett was in their camp. And yeah. he would have settled that down, I, I, I believe, um, and made them believe that could beat uh, Australia. And then uh, what was it? What was the final in the World Cup? 4-0 or something? 6-0? Six, six, yeah, it was 6-0. Wow. Well, that was an incredible game. Yeah, really. and England actually had um, so many chances. One, I'm pretty sure it was Elliot Whitehead made a break and it was just an ankle tap. Yeah. They had like two or three other players coming and they just did an ankle tap. So as you said, 
coach can change things. They gave mm. him um, a lot of confidence. But then what happened with him the next year, they brought back Great Britain and then Wayne Bennett was essentially like, mm. what's the difference? Yeah. <laughs> and then that, the media took hold, as we said about Beckham in the documentary, the English media can be ruthless. They took yeah. hold of that and said, oh, he's Aussie. He doesn't care doesn't about care. tradition. He picked also Jackson Hastings at halfback and I think... That didn't go down very well mm. because a lot of people were like, well, he's not even a number one uh, Australian. Yeah. He's just sort of picking us because he won't play for Australia. So I think a few things, he picked yeah. a few Aussie English players, you could call them, and it didn't go down well. And then next second you knew it, he's gone. Yeah. He's finished as a, as a coach. But as you were saying, he gave them that belief that they could beat Australia because they nearly, yeah. Six nils very cl- and I think to keep an Australian side to six yeah. that had that side yeah, had Cameron if I'm correct had Cameron Smith and that sort of calibre and yeah. players in there so you mm. had like a superstar we had a superstar side back then so for them to even do that um, but uh, yeah to, to, to bring it back so I totally changed the subject to bring it back to commentators I love the English commentators because they like, get right into it and I think the NRL this might be controversial but I think. Um, it, that's what it's missing, a mainstay commentator. Like you w- Ray Warren was the go, yeah. you know, and I was like rugby league, the game, the product is amazing right now. Like the game is amazing. I think it's just missing that golden voice. Would you say it's missing uh, Andy <laughs> Raymond? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Andy. <laughs> yeah, Andy's coming on the show in a couple of weeks, so uh, we can't wait for that. Yeah, yeah we can't wait amazing. for that. But, yeah, you're letting – I agree with you, Achilles. Mm. I mean – I don't want to make this too much about state of origin because Aussies always do that with international. But yeah. I must say with origin, it missed, it misses Ray Warren 100%. or that voice. Or even I think when he stopped commentating the internationals, um, it sort of felt like, I know it's maybe to do with schedule, age, but mm. it felt like they were less important. I love Andrew mm. Voss. I think he, yeah. he loves international rugby league. But I think even Channel 9 sort of doing that even indirectly made you think, okay, so he commentates Origin, but he doesn't. But now you got Andrew Voss commentating the Tri-Nations final. I was a little bit, like I heard the, I remember we were at the Tri-Nations final in 2006. That was another great game. There's been, honestly, if you pick it apart, I know people rubbish it, but if you pick it apart, there's been like tremendous games. It's just keeping that level of interest. And as you said, Darko, giving us a schedule yeah. For at least yeah. uh, at least Definitely. us to defend, yeah. like uh, like rugby league yeah. fans yeah. to say, oh, this is what we do, but you can't. Another thing with that is you need you know all these uh, you know Samoas, Tongas, even New Zealand, Fiji, um, a lot of these guys that are eligible for Australia and those countries. With that schedule, they can go. Well, you know what? I, I can commit to say Samoa for mm. the next four years, a hundred percent. Because I know what we're playing for. I know, and then they can all together build towards that, mm. create a more consistent team, uh, which in in return will create a more consistent um, competition, yeah, a rivalry, mm. rather than you know one year you get New Zealand being good, and next year England steps up, New Zealand's rubbish. The year after that, Tong is good at the World Cup. Now they've fallen away, and then Samoa is good at the World Cup. You know what I mean? Like, there's not consistent competition those teams aren't staying consistently good to challenge australia it's always a different team and they're just not good enough to get over the line mm. but with that calendar you kind of you could potentially work towards that do you but think do you sorry do you think the funding's there though to do this like to grow the game and to have world cups and stuff like that like we, we've seen what with this even this pacific championships pack stadiums you know i think it's proven i think um you know if we do cut down the rounds that you guys said we'll have enough funding there and you know be able to grow the game but uh, i don't i don't know what what do you boys think Fine uh, yeah i think potentially i get what you're saying in terms of let's say for instance my idea if you pick that apart would they be able to do a mm. world cup 13 aside a nine world cup aside i don't have the answer i don't want to come mm. on here and say oh i know they could do that I don't know. I know they can do a World Cup every four years because they've they've proven it. But mm. could they do a nines and a thirteen? I'm not too sure. Yeah. So I take your point. I think at the end of the day, they have to. Yeah, they have to. There's enough. There's money out there, and mm. there's plenty of businesses that you can get to sponsor that would mm. get you know um, exposure and things like that. Yeah. Do you want the game to grow? 
mm, or not. Absolutely. You've got to invest in the future. You can't just sit back and hope things get better and not do anything about it. Because mm. like you look at like say Cook Islands, right? Like you got guys that play for the Cook Islands, but they're probably not good enough to make like an NRL side, or you know, just. But they have to work two jobs and this only like three jobs just to you know put food on the table and play and 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 support like you know themselves while they go do these World Cups and stuff. So, like I said, like you know maybe the NRL's got to look at helping these guys support um, and to get like third big third party deals you know to keep these youngsters coming up yeah i think 100 percent. i think with the international game there's a lot they have to work on at the moment obviously as we are saying so mm. on that note bo- boys should we talk about the games <laughs> on the weekend because we've we've painted such yeah, a yeah. such a uh, pretty picture of the international game yeah. now we we love as i said i actually there's so many games i've loved over the years um international rugby league and obviously i love rugby league i think the passion sort of comes from a place of we want it to do well or you can see the potential so i think that's if someone's listening and thinks oh god they don't like it but as you said we're we're all suggesting cut down the nrl Mm. to give more international matches and i think we've been harsh but fair on the competition at the moment and i think the only way to grow the game is to have an international game as darko was saying because like I heard an ex um, commentator saying once, ex uh, NRL commentator saying that he believed that um, we shouldn't have internationals because why NFL only has the NF, uh, they only have the NFL. Mm-hmm. They don't they don't care about the international game. I mean, one, are we bringing in a billions of dollars a year yeah. to do that? And two, why would you when there's so many Pacific players? Um, playing in the NRL, when you have an English competition that has France in it, when you're thinking about bringing in a PNG side, why would you do that for one? Mm. And then how another thing is we're competing with the AFL uh, week to week, but what can give us an edge on the AFL, an international game? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the thing. What do, you know, apart from some (laughs) easier game and and bigger money, uh, paychecks, a lot of players go to rugby union for mm. the international side of things, traveling different countries, experiencing yeah. different cultures, playing in different uh, competitions mm. all around the world. Well, I think when Sonny Bill went over to rugby union, he was like, I just wanted to play for the All Blacks. You know, so playing for a country meant yeah. something for him. Not playing for a club, but playing for a country. Yeah. And I think that's when you think of rugby, rugby union, you think of playing for your nation. Yeah, that's right. Well, Brad Thorne is the biggest example of that. Mm. So he... Apparently he told the story that he was in the Queensland camp and he said to them, I'll play for the All Blacks one day. And they basically laughed him out of the building. They thought that's like just a weird thing. When you're in Queensland camp, you're about to play a thing, a decider. He said game three and he's like, I'll play for the All Blacks. They thought that was ridiculous. But it goes sort of to show... At Brad Thorne as a person, he felt pride to play for the Maroons, but then he wanted to play for the All Blacks. So it shows... Mm -hmm. Brand is important as well and image. Um, I'm not saying obviously he wanted just to say I play for the All Blacks, but he felt in his heart I'm a Queenslander in rugby league but I'm an All Black in rugby union, which I think is a little bit of a problem Mm. to put state of origin. And I always think people always say, oh, but if you put international rugby league over state of origin, then it diminishes that as the Mm. number one game. But I think why can't... They coexist that you say state of origin is the best players playing in the NRL Mm. head-to-head and it's a a three-game series and it's New South Wales versus Queensland and then the international game is like other sports. It's versus other countries and then you get to see players from the Super League that you don't see week to week. That's Mm. what I enjoy about it, seeing a player that you didn't think could exceed or wouldn't be as good playing against an NRL player. Mm. I think is um is amazing boys. So yeah, should we should we move on boys and should we talk about Kiwis and Samoa? So this is going to be another depressing <laughs> topic in the in the sense that Samoa was so amazing to make the the World Cup final last year. What's happened to them? They're missing a couple key plays but mm. what, what would you say Achilles? Well, if you watch the game, like the first 20 minutes was really competitive. I think it took like – the ball was in play for like seven minutes before the first mistake and I think it was like the 13th minute Asako scored. So, 
um, the first like yeah, twenty minutes was was great. It was like you know you, you see you see the flurry um, running style of the the young that the, the rise of that young fullback for for um for longer. Oh, for longer is just amazing. Exciting. <laughs> well, well, again, you talk about you don't see players playing the NRL and then he plays for his country and just absolutely murders it. You know, so but yeah, look after the twenty minutes, it just went downhill from him. You know, but it's expected. You know, when you when you for New Zealand when you got a guy. Playing in hooker in Kieran Foran has played over like three hundred games, um, you know, and he's playing your number nine. It's like, you know, they got they got guys like Chance Nickel Clots out of the back, you know, uh, Ronaldo Mullet, your boy, We just get a darker to pronounce everything pretty much like these last two podcasts. And who can't forget like Joseph Manu running around shirtless, mate? Like that'll bring some viewers. That'll bring some viewers. Yeah, look, look, they, they were competitive. It just, they just fell off the bandwagon, you know, after like half an hour and they were just, didn't even score a try. I think it was like, it was like nine tries, nine tries to zero. So. I mean, we've been a bit negative on this podcast, <laughs> but if you look at New Zealand, if we flip the coin, how good are they at the moment? Oh. And can they, we'll move on to it later, but can they beat Australia? Well, to me, New Zealand looks uh, – I, I didn't watch – look, I lost an interest in that game when he got to like 28 or nil or whatever it was. I just thought this is just going to get worse and worse and I, I lost interest. But New Zealand looks like they really want to challenge Australia and be the number one nation right now. And I think they've got the, the calibre of players if they stay in form to do that over the next couple of years. Um, I actually – as Matt would know, I don't normally support the Kangaroos in rugby league just because I, I want the game to grow, I want it to get better and I want the underdogs to kind of be competitive and, and win. So I generally support the underdog just to make it more interesting. I really hope New Zealand can can keep up um, at least the form they showed on the weekend and compete against Australia the way they dismantled the Samoa and keep that going for the next couple of years. When um, Australia, it's a good point you make too, Darko. When Australia were playing, I think Papua, yeah, Papua New Guinea and their Prime Minister's 13, I was, when about Papua New Guinea were about to score and I was like, yes, come on. <laughs> and Polly obviously was like, why aren't you going for Australia? So I think that's another good point too. You needed to be competitive to make you want them yeah. to win. And obviously... Um, if you look at NRL or anything, nothing more than losing makes you want to get back to the top. So I think because Australia is so dominant, it's sort of easy when they drop a game to think, oh, well, they'll win next week anyway. Mm. So mm. it's not really as important, I guess. So I who, think... Who, who do you think... Uh, so this it's a dead rubber essentially this weekend. Who do you think it's more important for to win this game? I think New Zealand. I think um, you know, with with the rise of the New Zealand Warriors, the whole nation's behind them. I mean, if you look at the New Zealand team, they're, they're much for much for like you know against Australia. You know, you got like a Tedesco versus a Chance Nickel Clockstar. Now Tedesco is an amazing player, but did he have his greatest season this season? Nope. <laughs> I mean, you look at the wingers like Dylan Edwards on the wing against Ronaldo, your boy Ronaldo. Um, the hammer, I think the hammer was probably one of the best centers going, but he's up, he's up against a young gun in Tim, in Tim McCall, you know, like um, he's amazing. And then like this is a great battle. Like you got Tony Staggs versus Manu. That's like that's amazing, you know. The flip through the Manu versus the hard running Staggs. Um, look, and and like in the halves you got Cameron Master versus Dilla Brown, Ev- Cherry Evans versus Jerome Hughes. I mean, it's 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 mouthwatering. And if you look at the forwards, Jack Trubovich. He's amazing, the workhorse he is. But then you got James Fisher Harris running at him mm. all day. Like what? That's mouthwatering. One one's like an amazing tackler, workhorse. The other one just is a wrecking ball. Um, ben Hunt versus Foran. That's amazing. That's a strong New Zealand team. Yeah, to be fair man. I, I really like. This is the battle that I'm really loving seeing. Is Isaiah Yo versus Tarpane. I mean, I think Tarpane was like you said. He, he's Amazing and, and, and Isaiah Yo is, is like that ball playing that and Tapane is your sort of like your typical running, stepping, you know, big hard Tino sort of like player, fleet footed. And even down to the benches, you got like Harry Grant coming off the bench. Like. I think this is where Australia's clearly 
that step ahead of, of New Zealand. I think Australia's mm. bench is is a lot better yeah. than, than New Zealand, and and that could be the the decider. The um the mm. the hookers are interesting, Achilles, because <laughs> I think you were saying today you have Ben Hunt against Kieran Foran, which which is essentially to. Uh, halfbacks, yeah, yeah, playing each other, and then that uh, they. If you look at Ben Hunt's representative record, you Maybe. can't disagree with it. And then Kieran Forum was a weird selection last week. I mm. think a few people were scratching their heads. Oh. At um, oh, can I mention another point that I just thought of? The coach um, for New Zealand, obviously Michael Maguire. How much I think this series means a lot. Yeah, for him to win. To win this series with New Zealand, I think will put him at least in the in the minds of rugby league fans that he can do the job for New South Wales. I think if he if they come out next week, New Zealand, let's say for example they get um, flogged next week and then they lose the final as well, I think that will hurt his. I know they're different teams new, to coaching New Zealand to New South Wales, but I think mm. that will hurt his credibility. But that. For example, that call um, putting in uh, Kieran Forum at nine was risky, but yeah. everything that he's done so far has paid off. So we'll see. It's Kier- obviously Kieran Forum was amazing on the weekend. Like, yeah. I, I think, like you know, his his past selection. I thought, well, how's his shoulders going to hold up? It was fine. Like he, he's a really good tackler, and I think that like. Um, guys running straight at him is better than him making selection in, you know. I think he gets heaps injured out wide where he has to, you know, uh, uh, where the guys are, you know, his, his choice selection and they're a bit faster than him. So, he, you know, but in the middle he just looked right at home. Mm. And, you know, Ben Hunt is just amazing. But, um, yeah, definitely I think you're right. Like <laughs> where would win it would be the benches. When you got guys like, you know, Nico Hines off the bench, Pat Carrigan, Lindsay Collins, and Harry Grant. Like, mm-hmm. they're all they're all starters. They're all starters in like in an Origin squad, they're you all know. Origin, yeah, start. Um, well, not Nico. Nico, sorry, Nico. <laughs> <laughs> he's a, he's a future starter. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, should we move on, boys, to Fiji and the Cook Islands? So this turned out to be an entertaining game more mm. than I guess what a lot of people thought it would be. And I was like, Fiji are very they're probably one of the best sides for the World Cup in the fact that when they play a lower team, they don't play their best. Mm. And then when they play New Zealand, Australia, they come out and fire. So they're probably, for rugby league, they're the best thing for it. Yeah. Because they never have, they're not really involved in many floggings because they sort of go down a level when they play. And when they're playing the Cook Islands, the last set of six, or one of the last set of six in the game before Hemiso, um, not Hemiso, before Taruva scored mm. to win, they were rolling forward and I thought, How, where did this come from? It yeah. was like boys versus men. It was basically um, like shout out to Simone who I used to play with in <laughs> under 13s. We used to just pass him the ball and he used to throw <laughs> away like six people and then he could he could not only throw away six people then chip and chase a fullback who was like a quarter of his size. Yeah. So he's, we're like, did you need to do that or could you just <laughs> yeah. have ran him over? And he's like, I thought the chip might look a bit better. Yeah. And uh, obviously for a man his size, it, it was he was super talented. Shout out to Simone, but he was he was um but that's what it looked like when Fiji got on the roll. Yeah. So yeah, I think they were saving that's another thing why this splitting the competition into twos, you just won't see Fiji play any mm. of these big teams and they rise. So mm. essentially they could win this competition quite easily, to be honest, without even hitting a second gear. Yeah. I think yeah, Fiji looked amazing. Look, it was a really good game. I want to give a shout out to Tane Milne. When when I seen him line up at lock, I thought, oh, you know, because he's a back, right? Yeah. Mate, he killed it. Like, like, he, you know, eighteen hit ups, ran about one hundred eighty two meters. His post contact was seventy nine. He had three offloads, and he was solid. I thought, you know, like, because he ha- he's had his troubles on the wings and you know in center, and I thought, oh, maybe, but like, it just makes sense. He's he, he just looked fast. He looked good. You know, made good decisions. I think he's a he's a future. You know. Uh, uh, second rower, lock, and also um, the, the the duo uh, Sivo and Wonga Blake. They look very strong. Like um, Sivo, just like just give. He's like your mate. Just give him the ball. The hardest <laughs> Wonga Blake. Yeah, the hardest. Yeah, he, the hardest thing for me to say was 
He played well. We don't want to back, back plays out on this podcast, <laughs> but obviously he hasn't, if I'm completely honest, he hasn't been my favourite Parramatta Eels mm. player. Um, but he had a big game. Massive. Yeah, he was... He, he, well, he's like, playing for a contract, really. Nah. Yeah, 100%. So. And that side, do you think about that? Like imagine the Cook Islands saying like, oh, okay, we're up against like Wanga, Black and Sivo. It's quite daunting yeah. physically, uh, mentally as well. Obviously they've played together for Parramatta too. So mm. it's a tough, like it's a tough ask for the Cook Islands. But you had, um, speaking of a great Eels player, uh, Takarengi. Yeah, Takarangi. So he, he played. Yeah, he played, he played well. good. Yeah, and this was Still another. Su- sorry to cut you off. This is another surprise for the Cook Islands. Isan Masters played number seven, and he played really well. He's done that before, I think. I'm pretty yeah. sure uh, international footy. Mate, he looked. He looked right at home, and like uh, his brother played well too. Stephen Masters. I'm, like they they played really well. Um, yeah, look, Takarangi. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I haven't heard his name in a while. Like, has he been playing in Super League or? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, he was yeah. in Super League. But I think he's playing like country footy now, like this from next year. Wow, or yeah. Or this year, I'm not sure which one. Another uh, question I'll ask you, boys. So it in International Rugby League, it can go really well or really bad. So I'm going to give an example. So Samoa put um, Stephen Crichton at 5'8". And it completely well, bombed. Mm. It, like he's a great player, but he kicked, if I'm correct, this is just off the top of my head, he kicked it twice out on the floor. It's not his fault, obviously. He's not a 5'8". But, yeah, and then you have other times when, for example, Matt Peterson played halfback for USA <laughs> oh. and he actually, yeah, absolutely, I know uh, Willie Mason told the story that mm. he said, we just won the Tri-Nations and we'll, you know, hung over and then they said, oh, don't forget, you've got a game against USA. <laughs> and then they're like, okay. And then he said they boarded the plane, you know, they went over there and he actually said, that they told they actually told them uh like go easy on him i actually he actually wait, said wait, that who, on his podcast who said that to who i'm not sure someone said that to willie mason i'm not sure oh, if the he, american said it to him no no an australian official oh, right, not right, right, he right. wouldn't give the name on their podcast but he said that they told him oh ease up like don't go too hard and then what happened was uh, <laughs> usa were leading 24-6 at half time. <laughs> so he said he went into the bench. I can remember like the players, they were like wiping their hands and they were sort of hand, like it didn't look like they were ready for a test match. The, the national anthem was playing and they sort of had their arms crossed there like shivering, like acting, ooh, it's cold, <laughs> you know, like not switched on. And then, yeah, USA came out and absolutely played really well. You had Matt Peterson, Clint Newton was in the side. Oh, Newton, yeah. Also, and they had like massive games. And then you also had um, a linebacker apparently from college football and Willie Mason said, I was scared to run at him. (laughs) (laughs) So he said that linebacker, he goes, was smashing me. And then at halftime he went in the sheds after the Australian officials said, oh, don't go hard on him. And then Wayne Bennett apparently said, if you don't play well in the second half, you'll never play for Australia again. Oh, Oh, no. (laughs) Wow. Well, it's sort of, what was the final score? Like 50 to 24 or something, right? Yeah. So, yeah, they came back. But um, I guess my point was playing players out of position. So with Crichton, it didn't work. And then mm. if we – it's a good segue into the women's game. So Penatani played um, yeah, wow. for Tonga at halfback. So she was an Eels, ex-Eels player who now plays for Cronulla. Mm. She played halfback and she scored two tries. Yeah. And she's a um, – and yeah. she is a obviously a centre in the NRLW. Yeah, well, she scored two tries, twelve runs, ran for about one hundred fifty meters and fifteen meters, and she absolutely killed it. Like she was, she was amazing. And um, I want to give a shout out to her sister, Natasha Panatani. She uh, ten hit ups, running for one hundred thirteen meters, thirteen tackles. I mean, they you look. It, this was a really good game um, to watch. They were competitive, and you know. Um, the Kiwi Ferns, you know, they were they were they were great too. Like I want to give a shout out to Abigail Roach. She was just amazing. She scored three tries, one try assist, fourteen runs, running for 176 meters, six tackle breaks, four line breaks, and like just her running style. She just in and away, you know, every time was just in and away try, in and away try. She was just fantastic. And like you know, girls like that. Yeah, you see, they play they play well in the club side, but then when you get them in the international side, and she just stood out. Like I was like, I, I knew of her, but I didn't know she had that talent playing against that side. And 
yeah, it was, you know, uh, six tries to two. Um, you know, the possession rates were pretty good right up there. Completion rates were, you know, that could be a bit better, 67 to 65. Um, but all in all, it was an entertaining game. If Do you think if um, – well, the Jillaries do play the Kiwi Ferns this week. So do you give them a chance, Achilles, and – also, do you think not having an NRLW side is a big disadvantage for the Kiwis girl, Kiwi girls, I should say? Um, I, I do think that the Ferns, it, it, it's, it's going to be closer than you think. I think the, the, uh, the Ferns have, have bridged the gap. I think, they, I think they could beat them. It won't be a blowout like these, these games. It will be close. And I definitely do think if they're going to grow the game, they should – Yes, definitely have a Kiwi side. Um, it's just it's proven it like they, they can they can you know um, uh, sort of support the game with with their massive fans. Um, you know, this weekend with the Gillaroos and Firms, you know, there's there's so many battles there. You got Upton versus Nichols, Chapman, which I think she's one of the best wingers in the game. You know, versus Tufunga, and then you got Hufunga versus Surges. Like you know, they're two premier centers going at each other. Um, and then you've got the halves in um, Ali Brigginshaw versus McGregor. You know, young McGregor, she's, she's amazing, you know. But, uh, look, the women's game is still growing. Um, when you've you got, like, you know, the Tonga side, you know, and then you've got the, all the other sides, the Cook Island side, I think. Um, but the, I think there's not much in between the Jillaroos and the Ferns. 100%. So, boys, uh, PNG also play... Um, Fiji coming up this week. So the PNG side have been well, actually both sides have been ultra entertaining to watch in rugby league. Uh, two part question, Darko. One is, would you like to see PNG and Fiji, for example? I think we know the answer with what we're talking <laughs> about before. But would you like to see them playing more? And secondly, who wins this game? Yeah, definitely like to see them play more. Um, the game's in PNG, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, um, I think that'll give Papua New Guinea a big boost playing at home, uh, as it always does. The, the fans are crazy in, in the best kind of way. If you look at the team, the lineups, man, oh, Fiji, I think, is a lot stronger. Uh, there's a lot more experience, NRL experience, um, than, than PNG has. Um so I would – I'm going to say I think it will be a close game. Um, I think the crowd's going to help PNG step up yeah. another level. Um, and, I mean, they have some good players anyway, but the, the crowd will help them. And, uh, you know, as we said, Fiji, they'll play to the level of their opponent no matter who they play. So I think we're going to see a high score – well – uh, maybe twenty something. <laughs> I think well, we'll see a high scoring, scoring low scoring match <laughs> somewhere in between. Maybe yeah, nah, yeah. Well, yeah, something between twenty and twenty six points. Is that high mm. scoring? That's not really high scoring. I, I totally agree with you. I think when you when you mentioned about the crowd will get them through, there's something about playing at Port Moresby and their and their fans. Like every time they play Australia, it's just like the first thirty minutes is just like ramrod, um, and and like Australia. You know, they'd walk away bruised and battered and Fiji don't take a backward step too, you know. Like I think it would be closer than you think. I think mean, I mean, what would probably get them is fitness towards the end and a bit of class with, with, with like the, the Fiji boys. Um, but, yeah, like you said, I don't think it would be a blowout and if it is, it definitely wouldn't be down to skill. It would be down to like, you know, the hype and, and, and the fitness towards the end. Yeah, 100% boys. So should we move on to a question from our millions and millions of fans? So this is from Robbie Durant and he said, I'm a massive rugby union fan, but you boys have won me over with this podcast. Why is rug rugby union internationally better than rugby league? That's his question. Shout out to Robbie. Hey, Robbie. <laughs> he's not. He's not a ghost. <laughs> that was scary, dog. Why is rugby union? I think. I think. I personally think. Um, we touched upon upon it before when we talk about more coverage in international games. I think rugby union do a lot of international games with 
you know, Europe being so big, um, they're doing the Six Nations and then like even, you know, they take it across to other other countries. Um, you know, the more the more that they spread it out, the more it's getting looked at, the more the European people and they've got they've got the um they've got the population to spread it, you know. Um, and I think, you know, my our our, our partners being English, it's easier to watch a rugby uh, rugby game on TV free to air. Where here it's like you know you got to pay a lot of subscriptions to watch this to watch that, and you sort of get lost. And by the time that you've paid so many subscriptions, you've got like you know your bank accounts. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I was just gonna say by the time you paid so many subscriptions, you've got you've got one subscription. (laughs) But But I I understand what you mean. It's not as accessible. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so like you know, with with that, you know, you could watch you know the Six Nations. My our missus's mum, she's massive. She's she loves the gymnastics and that, but she loves the rugby, and it's just so easy. And she's up to date with all the you know. She's telling me like you know, Ireland uh, world number one. They're gonna you know. So she's talking about rugby because it's easier to watch. Hundred percent. What would you say? Uh, you know, along the same same sort of lines. Um, I think you know rugby union. Um, well, firstly, actually, how many countries have rugby league as their number one sport? Mm. Okay, we've got PNG as the national sport. New Zealand, Australia, it's near the top for number one sports, right? Rugby Union, it's a lot different. A lot of South Africa, you know, all you got the All Blacks. You got Ireland, where it's I think the top sport. Wales, Scotland, all those. England, it's all quite right up there, right? It's also I think a lot more accessible. Um, so Rugby Union uh, is played in a lot of uh, universities, a lot of colleges, even in you know America and Canada, um, in different countries around Europe, and ov- obviously the you know in the British. Um, countries Um, so I think um, you know a lot more people have access to it um, to play it it's also um, no actually it's not also anything (laughs) 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 Um, but yeah look I just think it's been uh, it's been accessible to a lot more people in the past and that's you know going back to the rugby league what we spoke about at the beginning that's why we have to invest in the International Rugby League mm. to make make uh, International Rugby League like International Rugby Union. Mm. Yeah, I think we have touched on it plenty of times on this podcast, Darko, the persistency, staying persistent, let's just say <laughs> that. I don't want Polly to listen and say yeah. that's not a word. Um, but staying, staying persistent and... Uh, obviously, going the long road with with certain nations is what rugby unions done, and and copying, to be honest, a bit of backlash. For example, Argentina being in, um, obviously in the group that they're playing Australia, New Zealand, when they went into the rugby championship, I believe it's mm. called now. When they went into that, a lot of people were saying. <laughs> How ridiculous! Yeah. And then I know the All Blacks towed them up in the semi final, but when you think about it. The fact they made the semi-final was a massive achievement. Mm. You've mentioned it as well. Even Portugal playing different games and able to beat Fiji was amazing. So it's just keeping, you know, those nations playing, I think, essentially as well. Touching on Portugal, most of their players are amateurs. They're doctors, dentists, Mm. you know, policemen, whatever they are. Like they, they don't play professionally. PTs. (laughs) <laughs> we could play probably not <laughs> um but yeah i think as you boys were saying on this podcast i just think they need to figure out the schedule obviously in rugby union yeah you have the six nations it's a mainstay you have the rugby championship here i think also the competition obviously between the northern and southern hemisphere keeps it uh keeps it quite interesting and you look at i think darker you were asking one of our friends chris about it the other day in terms of why he thinks the southern um hemisphere is better yeah, yeah. in or makes their final most yeah. of the time um but at least you have that discussion i guess as well so you have so many teams on either side of the fence trying to get that number one goal and i mean it's funny because the Rugby League World Cup actually was founded or started before the Rugby Union World Cup, which yeah, most people really? wouldn't know. Yeah, yeah, that, no yeah. so it, it, it was played before, but then obviously 
just letting it fall off or changing the format has completely killed it. And I think too, if I'm going to, we're talking very positive, positively about our rugby union, but if I'm going to throw a dagger at it, the club <laughs> competition so rubbish no, yeah. that yeah, he, what are you going to watch? Like mm-hmm. if I was ever going to watch rugby union, I can't even honestly remember this last time I watched a super rugby match exactly i can't i can't even remember who won last no, year it was probably a new zealand side i'd say <laughs> yeah, more than but um would you also say that like um change the subject but like would you also say that like rugby leagues is scrutinized more in the media than rugby union 100 percent. because you look at mm-hmm. last rugby union our uh, last rugby league world cup the first the the vultures are sort of like the they're ready, mm. like, to pounce because, you know, rugby league's not as much of an international game. So they're ready to to go for it. So when there was a 50-0, there was heaps of articles. Why mm. are they in it? Yeah. you yeah. You got to go through that. You just, you've got to, mm. you know, like, even, even like football, soccer World Cup, right? Mm. There's been World Cups where teams get pumped. Mm. But you... <laughs> You have to go through that, man. Like you got to learn, you got to improve, but you, you can only do that if you are at the event, you experience it, you, you get something out of it, and then you put that into practice over the next few years, four years, however <coughs> long it might take, and then hopefully you improve. Absolutely. Um, but keeping them out of it, then there's no yeah. chance. There's no chance. Well, the more know. nations playing, the more people talking about it, the more people yeah. get excited, the more people tune in, you know, inspiring the younger generations. There's nothing but growth. Well, I agree. (laughs) (laughs) I think in saying all this, boys, we will all be watching the internationals over the weekend for rugby Mm. league. So I think we've brought up many good points, uh, many good topics or I guess ideas that international rugby league could be doing or should be doing. Um, Should we... Should we take a load off for the week, boys? Yeah. All right. Thanks, boys. Great episode.